I, I verified this last night. Uh, the Italians, how many of you here are Italian? Or got a little bit of Italian blood in you? Um, you may know this to be true, you may not, but I have verified that it is true for dyed-in-the-wool, I mean authentic Italians, right? Italians have a custom at uh, New Year's. At uh, midnight, as New Year's Eve approaches, the streets are clear. In fact, uh, there's no traffic, there's no pedestrians on the street. In fact, even the police uh, take cover. And then at the stroke of midnight, the windows of the houses fly open and Italians start throwing things out into the street to the sound of laughter and music and even fireworks. Now they throw things out into the street, out of the windows. They may throw old uh, dishes or glassware, or Christmas ornaments. Uh, they may uh, throw out uh, hated furniture or anything else that reminds them of something in the past year that they would like to forget that they're determined to wipe out of their minds and out of their lives. That's what you Italians do. I always knew you were crazy people. Like you're, you're, you know, you're full of life and you're, and that's what they do. And I just heard uh, during the service, during uh, the intermission between the two services, that in the Netherlands they do something uh, like that, only there's a lot of drinking that goes on, only to find out the next morning that they've thrown things out of the window that they didn't want to get rid of, that they didn't <laughs> want to throw out, all right? So at least make sure that if you do something like that, uh, that you're sober would probably be uh, the word of the day. It may not be a bad idea, but all of us, to some degree or another, I guarantee you've all, either you've done it or you've thought about a New Year's resolution, some area of your life in which you uh, want to change. Uh, I read recently about a comedian that said, uh, a lot of us make, uh, uh, make plans and in the new year we're going to jog. The only problem with jogging is that by the time you realize that you're not cut out for that, you're too far away from home to walk. And uh, that may be true uh, for some of you. Uh, But I guarantee you that uh, all of us, to some degree or another, we've thought through some area in our life in which we want to change or be different in this new year. And that's the really cool thing about our calendars, that every 365 days, we get an opportunity to have a fresh start, to do things just a little bit different, to evaluate our lives and determine that things are going to be different, that we're going to make change. Um, A favorite verse that I have in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, uh, say this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Verse 19 says, Behold, I, God, am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you perceive it? And that's exactly what God wants to continually be doing in our life. He wants to do a a new thing uh, in our lives uh, this next year. And I'm convinced that all good things that come into our life that are new and that bring about change, uh, they happen because there is authentic change that takes place in our life. I want to give you just real quickly six things that have to happen for real change to take place. Number one is this, that change begins with repentance. If you've been at Northwest any length of time, you've heard uh, us talk about this idea of repentance, that repentance is not just simply saying, hey, I'm sorry that that happened. You know, just kind of like a little kid. Sorry, I just, you know, damaged the car. Sorry, it's just the way that it is. Uh, To to have real repentance, it means that we change our minds and we move in in a new direction. 
And any change that takes place in our life begins with repentance. Number two, change requires that you actually see the need to change. In fact, you will never change what you don't acknowledge to be a problem. It's interesting that as other people look and evaluate our lives, they see areas in our lives in which we need to change, right? However, we don't, and we don't change because we don't acknowledge an area that needs to change. How many of you watch Shark Tank? All right, a lot of Shark Tank fans. Just Friday night, uh, they had a lady that was on there, and she was trying to pedal the skinny mirror, right? Basically, a mirror that you look in, and it doesn't tell you the truth. I'm looking on the internet going, where is the skinny mirror? I'm going to put those all over my house, right? The whole idea was, you don't have to acknowledge that you have a problem. You look in the mirror and you go, I look fine to me. It's just like I've always wanted to look. It's not reality though. You don't change what you don't acknowledge to be a problem. Change requires that you see the need to change. Change also has to begin now. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but about uh, probably about six weeks ago, I said, uh, my wife knows it's always coming, on January 1, I'm going to start a lifestyle change. Things are going to be different. Now, the obvious question for her to ask me is what? Why not start now? That way you won't be 10 pounds fatter when January 1 comes, right? <clears throat> Fortunately, she's not like that, like some of you might have said to me. That's why I don't say it to you, <clears throat> All right? Change needs to begin now. You can't wait to change. If you acknowledge an area of your life that needs to change, you should do it now. Change also requires you to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you probably will not change. And then number five, change becomes permanent through accountability. All of us probably uh, would do well to have somebody in our life that could hold us accountable for the change that we believe needs to take place uh, in our life. And then lastly, change requires that you forget the past and live a different life now. I think that's one of the greatest ploys that Satan uses is to convince us that because of what we've done or what we've been in the past, that we're always going to be that way and we can't possibly change. And yet God says, I want to do a new thing in your life. I want to do a different thing in your life. You can be different. As we talked about several weeks ago uh, with uh, God changing uh, a name, we may see ourselves as this, but God sees us as what we can be when his spirit is moving in and through us. And so change requires that you forget the past and you live a different life now. Uh, Jerry and I want to spend the next uh, several uh, minutes of our time together this morning challenging you to consider uh, some change in your life in three particular areas. Uh, Number one is in your personal life, just you, decisions, choices that you're going to make, very simple things. Uh, Number two, uh, Jerry's going to talk about some change maybe, maybe in your family life, you, your spouse, uh, your kids, change in that area of your life. And then thirdly, uh, change in your church life, in the life and the relationship that you have with people that you do life with here, here in this community of faith that we know uh, as Northwest. Uh, first of all, and, and just real quickly, uh, we value growing here at Northwest. Uh, We want you to grow. I hope that as you look back over the last year, if you've been at Northwest over this whole entire year, that as you look back to where you were 365 days ago, I hope that you feel like that you have grown closer in your relationship with Christ, that you have more closely conformed yourself to the image of Jesus Christ. 
That happens when there's growth that takes place in our life. And we value that. We want you to grow up in your faith. We don't want you to be the same 365 days from now that you are right now. We want to see change take place in your life. I believe one of the ways in which that happens is when we take God's Word and we hide it in our hearts. We memorize Scripture. And so we were talking a few weeks ago, Jerry and Matt and I, about just a simple challenge to you this year to memorize Scripture. How many of you, I'm going to ask you, how many of you regularly memorize Scripture? All right, be honest, okay? God knows your heart, all right? Very, very few of us, right? That we, we regularly hide Scripture in our heart. Um, even as an adult, have you found this to be true, that the older you get, the harder it is to memorize? When you're a little kid, you can like memorize, you just take everything in, you can spit it right back out, you remember, and then the older we get, it's harder to remember. A lot of my scripture memory took place when I was part of a children's program called Awana. Anybody ever go to Awana? I went to Awana, and boy, they knew how to motivate me to memorize scripture. All they had to do was give me a donut for every section of scripture that I memorized, And uh, the Awana program is responsible for all of this that you see in front of you this morning. It motivated me as a child to memorize Scripture. And even to this very day, uh, there's a lot of Scripture that's been crammed into my head, a lot of which has made its way down to my heart uh, because I was motivated to do so. Well, what will motivate you to memorize Scripture this next year? What we want to do is challenge you to memorize 12 passages of Scripture over the next year. And we're going to give them to you each month, all right? We're going to give them to you. You'll see it uh, in your worship folder when you come in. You'll see it on Instagram, Facebook, all of those different mediums. We're going to challenge you to memorize one passage of Scripture each month. The first one uh, is going to be Romans 12, 1 and 2, all right? Some of you know that passage. Many of you don't. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, that's the first verse that we're going to have you memorize. We'll give you more details about that uh, next week. We're going to tell you the verse of Scripture and then an application of that Scripture. So if you stick with us over the next uh, 12 months, by the end of December, you're going to have memorized 12 verses of Scripture, not only words that you know, but you know how those uh, verses apply to your life. And so I want to challenge you to do that. And then lastly, in your personal life, big, big thing, all right, um, is your prayer life and the time that we spend talking to God. Uh, Jerry's going to talk about some other things that we're going uh, to be doing with regards uh, to prayer. Um, Our women are studying prayer. And we want to invite you, if you're interested, we want to invite you to come and pray with us. Uh, The elder team is going to gather on the first Monday of every month at 7 o'clock. And we want to encourage you to come and pray with us. Now, I know there's a number of you that say, I don't pray publicly. And I'm certainly not going to pray in front of a bunch of elders. I'm just not going to do that, all right? I encourage you just to come, sit with us, agree with us together uh, in prayer, um, but make that part of a schedule. First Monday night of every month, 7 o'clock at our church office, actually beginning tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. We want to challenge you uh, to get involved in that. All right, the second area that we really want to challenge you guys in, uh, just as a church community and a family here, is, uh, is to honor God with your family time. 
Um, you know, God created two vehicles, two institutions to carry forth his message of goodness and light to the world. And that is the church. You see that in the New Testament. And it's the family. It's husbands and wives. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. God created that. That was his idea of a man and a woman to come together. And if he so blesses them with children, that that would be one of the institutions to bring goodness and light into the world. And more and more, it's no surprise as we look around and hear things and watch TV that, that the family unit has just been demolished in this country. Culturally, there are so many other influences that are getting us off track. And so we as a church body, we want to provide some opportunities for you guys to really take advantage of this challenge to honor God in this area of family. And a couple of ways that we, uh, that we have for you to do that, number one was already mentioned, some of the women's ministry stuff, to connect with other ladies, other moms, um, and, and be a part of those studies on prayer. Uh, another one that we're starting out, as Matt mentioned, in a few weeks is men's fraternity. Um, we meet on Tuesday mornings starting at the end of this month. How many guys were a part of uh, last semester that we did, that uh, eight or nine week? All right, lots of you, hands all over this auditorium. Let me just tell you, it was an amazing, amazing time together. There were times that we had upwards of 45 guys there. We even had some worship on, uh, on those Tuesday mor- mornings at 6.15 a.m. Nothing like a bunch of dudes singing, How Great Is Our God, uh, at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was incredible. And the format, in case you've been in years past, is a little bit different this year. We've got about a 25-minute DVD that we watch that's a a biblically-based challenge on what it means to be a man uh, and a husband and a father and that sort of thing. And then we break up into huddle groups. And we've got some of our men from this church, some elders, some lay people that, uh, that have stepped up as leaders and saying, hey, I want to facilitate discussion. I want to get to know these same two or three or four guys every single week so that we can together build on these friendships and have 30 or 40 minutes uh, in discussion, in prayer for each other. And it is a rich feast of a, of a great time every Tuesday morning. So really, really want to challenge you guys to be a part of that when we kick that back up uh, at the end of this month. Okay, a couple other really important things that we're really excited about. First time we've tried these as a church. But again, the burden comes from, man, we, we recognize these needs and these gaps. What can we do to help our families capitalize on these times of significance and influence their children? So the first one I want to mention is a daddy-daughter dance that we have coming up in about a month. All right, we're partnering with this organization called Men of Armor, and these are awesome guys. I've had uh, lunch with them several times. They love God. They live here in the Triangle, and they exist to minister to churches and to help uh, raise up godly men and godly families. So Northwest is partnering with them. They do this uh, daddy-daughter dance every year, and it sells out two months before it even happens. Okay, so I worked out a deal with these guys, took them out to lunch and said, hey, I really want our men to be involved in this. I want to be involved in it. Let's work out a deal here. So uh, essentially, they have reserved 30 pairs, father-daughter pairs that um, are set aside for our church. If you go to their website, this Saturday night dance is listed here on the, on the screen, is already sold out. No tickets left. But we as Northwest have reserved um, 60 spots, essentially, 30 father, or, yeah, father and daughter pairs um, so that we can be a part of it and that we can go together. So I'd really encourage you to go to our website if you've got a daughter and you want to capitalize on this moment. Let them dress up. Let them be beautiful. Delight in them. Right? We know that's what girls want. 
And um, so take them out for a light dinner beforehand. And I would encourage you guys, do that in community. I'm planning on getting four or five dads together who all, all have daughters similar to my age. And let's go out to dinner beforehand. Let's get them all dressed up. Let's get dressed up. Have a great time. And then we'll go over to this dance together. And I'm tempted, Brian, to bring a little video camera uh, to all of our men and like just hit record as they get on the dance floor. And uh, maybe that following Sunday will highlight some of the best moves yeah. that we've seen. I had that actually happen to me at a father-daughter dance many years ago and never went back again after that. Is that footage still available? Somewhere? That footage is probably still available for a price. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this is not just about going to a dance. We know that it's way deeper than that. It's about affirmation. It's about creating a moment that they're going to remember. And this is a Christian uh, environment. So you're not going to be dealing with a lot of the uh, nasty songs that are played, even at regular you know, dances that we do in, in our schools and communities. So it's centered on Jesus, and the evening is set up for you to have some significant interaction with your daughter. So I encourage you to, to go to our website and sign up for that as soon as possible, because it will sell out, guaranteed. Uh, we also wanted to set up our dads for success with their sons. One of the most significant things growing up uh, for me was when my dad <coughs> agreed to go on a father-son camping trip. Now, many of you have met my dad. He's been here several times since I moved down here. He is not, how do you say, the camping type. Uh, He'd be perfectly content to uh, read U.S. News and World Report or Time Magazine in the tent, which is what he did a lot of that time. (laughs) But anyway, the point is, he wanted to show me love, and he knew that fishing was my love language, and so he went with me on that trip. And I still remember that to this day when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. So we are creating this environment, this weekend retreat, a Thursday to a Saturday night uh, where we're going to be going up to West Virginia. It's about four hours away. And we've worked out an arrangement with an amazing company up there uh, that's going to be setting up a lot of these things for us uh, for a father-son passage retreat is what we're calling it. And we're calling it Passage because this is not just a high adventure camp where we're going to go whitewater rafting and caving and rappelling. We're going to do all those things, but it's not just about the experience. It's about the transfer of affirmation of what it means to be a man. And we're going to use all of these elements that we're going to be doing uh, for spiritual conversations And dads, we're going to set you up beforehand. We're going to have several mandatory meetings beforehand so that you can be ready for this, so you can know what we're going to be doing, solo time that you're going to have with your son, so that you can transfer scripture and conversation about difficult things um, and really make make this a weekend to remember. Um, So it's geared for guys age 12 and older. And uh, we'll have some more information on the website. It's six months away. It's still got a while, but just wanted to get that out there for you guys so you can really think through uh, making that a part of what your uh, early summer plans are. A um, couple other quick things. You know, we, we talked about as a family praying together around about Easter. We don't have a slide for this or anything, but just kind of want to give you the heads up. We're going to be doing a churchwide challenge um, to have 10 days of devotions together as a family. We're going to write the devotions, send them to you every day, and really challenge us as a church body to meet together with our kids, pray together, um, talk about scripture, and have devotions together leading up to, uh, to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Uh, we're also going to have an opportunity to have 24 hours of corporate prayer together all through the night. You can sign up with your life group. You can sign up as a family. But we're going to set aside from 
some uh, sacred space and just fill that with God's people from Northwest um, together, uh, praying for God to intervene and, uh, and just spending time corporately in prayer. So one final thing that I want to mention here that we're pretty excited about is, uh, you know, we, we talk about marriage a fair amount. We try and provide some different things um, to, help our, to help our husbands and wives connect. So this one that we're doing this year is going to be especially exciting. We're calling it Date Night, and you can see the little, uh, the little tagline, because every marriage needs a little tune-up. All right. It doesn't matter if you've just been married for a year or less, if you've been married 30 or 40 years. We're setting aside three different Friday nights over the course of the next seven or eight months. And uh, we're going to be focusing on one topic for that particular Friday night. Um, it's going to be a workshop format. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some video elements to it. And it's going to be um, in, in a home. And we're limiting it to 15, maybe 20 couples each. So, um, so it's going to be limited attendance, but we wanted it that way because we want to talk about three really important issues. As you can see up there, we're going to be talking about money, we're going to be talking about communications, and we're going to be talking about sex and sexuality uh, within a married context. So each one of those we're going to hit separately on those three uh, date night opportunities, and um, it's going to be memorable. We try to make it affordable. It's going to be $15 per couple. Um, and that's going to include your materials and a book for you guys to read together and some hors d'oeuvres, that sort of thing. But we also wanted to make it accessible in the sense that we're going to be reimbursing a mandatory reimbursement for any babysitting fees that you may pay that night. So we, we want to take away every excuse possible and uh, really make it available for our couples to come out and enjoy a uh, wild, fun, uh, memorable time together. Jerry said in the first service, it's going to be a wild time. I did say that. And you know what's funny? You know, Brian's got his Bible here, and he opened it up as a prop, and it's actually open to the book of Song of Solomon. So I'm not sure what your Bible study's been here recently, but it automatically opened to there. (laughs) Well, I I will just say, Jerry, that um, (laughs) I did have a couple come up uh, between services, this older couple that came up that have been coming to our church a couple of months, and she told me she was really excited, I'm going to tell you this in a few minutes, that we're going to study through the book of Philippians, and she said that she's memorizing the book of Philippians, which I thought was really cool. And he, with on cue, just went, I'm memorizing select passages of the book of Song of Solomon. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm like, I love older people like that. that just, oh, you know, that's great. And in, in case you're newer, newer to the church scene, Song of Solomon is in the Old Testament, and it is a manual for good married love. <laughs> and actually, it's funny because you do some research on it, and the rabbis used to not let the younger, the young men, even read the Book of Song of Solomon. Jerry's just going to go ahead and teach on it right now. I'm I, just going to kind of sit. I would relish that opportunity. <laughs> I bet you would. I bet you would. All right, so let's get on now to uh, our personal life, our family life, mm. and then lastly, uh, we want to talk about our church life, our community church life. Um, you know, it's interesting that as you study Scripture, in particular the New Testament, that you realize that when Jesus left here, uh, when, he, when he rose from the, the grave and he conquered death and he went to heaven, he left God in God's plan, one uh, plan to impact this world with his gospel. And that was the church. And in Acts chapter 2, you see at Pentecost, You see the Holy Spirit come, and the church is birthed. And what's really incredible is that for 2,000 years now, 
the church has been impacting, influencing people on this planet. And it's a really incredible thing. Now, we talk about the church here on a regular basis as the little C and the big C, right? The little C is, are all the expressions of the big C, right? So we would be a little C church, Northwest Community Church, uh, Hope Community Church across town. While it's a big church, it really is a little C church. Uh, the Summit, uh, while it's a big church, it's a little C church. We are all part of the big C church, the universal church, those of us that have placed our trust in Christ alone as our Savior. And we want to challenge you this year uh, to renew your commitment to the mission of both. The little C church and the big C church. The little C meaning your commitment to Northwest Community Church and your involvement uh, in your life here that we do corporately uh, together as well as big C, meaning the mission uh, of the gospel. And here's just a couple of things that we want to challenge you with. Number one, I want to challenge you to make Sunday corporate worship a priority in your schedule. Hmm. You know, it's really easy in the day and age in which we live uh, just to download a podcast, right? Or to uh, be at home, and because you have 7,000 stations on your DirecTV, you know, Charles Stanley is on, or... Andy, his son, is on, or you can watch all of these great preachers, and you just say, well, why, why go to the hassle of getting in the car and coming to church when I could listen to a podcast, when I could watch something uh, on TV? And that is for this reason. We acknowledge that, that you can get great teaching, great preaching. Uh, in fact, both Jerry and I consume massive amounts of that on a regular basis, just as our own personal uh, nourishment. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But here's the thing, that coming here this morning, you can't get what you're experiencing right now if you choose to experience it, right? When we had our opportunity a few minutes ago to mingle, we always have trouble getting people back together to be quiet, right? Why? Because you like talking with one another, right? You like interacting with one another. You can't get that on a podcast. You can't get that... Um, by just simply watching uh, a TV screen, right? And the corporate worship, uh, you, you can't get that in a podcast necessarily. You can't get that on a TV screen. But when we're together and we're lifting up the name of Jesus corporately, and then the larger mission of the church, where we have responsibility to impact our community uh, with the life-changing message of the gospel, and then come together and influence and impact the uttermost parts of the earth with the gospel. We get that when we all come together and when we're all part of a church family. And so I want to challenge you to make that a priority in your schedule. Just two ways real quickly on how you can do that. Number one is you prepare for worship on a Saturday night. I know for some of you, you're going, oh, come on, man, you get paid for that. That's what you do. You're supposed to be prepared so that when when we get here, Jerry and I and our musicians, they've come prepared and And then you just kind of sit back and evaluate, right? How we did, right? How we spent our week. Now, I want to challenge that idea, all right? I want you to begin thinking about, especially moms and dads in your home, preparing for worship on Saturday night so that you think about what time you're going to go to sleep on a Saturday night so that when you get here, you are awake and you're ready to receive the Word of God, to interact with other people, and to lift up your voice uh, corporately with other people. Uh, the name of Jesus. Uh, And that begins, I believe, on Saturday night. 
uh, on a regular basis, and I know, again, Jerry and I are in a different position than, than you are, but I will uh, regularly listen through every song that we're going to sing on a Sunday morning. I will listen through them completely and read the lyrics, read the words, so that when I come, my heart is already prepared for what we're going to sing off of, off of a screen. And you say, well, I can't, I don't have that information. Well, we started not too long ago, um, I think on Instagram and on Facebook, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll see all the songs that we're going to sing uh, that are listed there. Yep. And there's actually a link right there as yeah. well. So that you can to actually our, listen to the song. Uh, Spotify playlist so you can play them. Yeah. That would be a great uh, thing to do. Making sure that you get sleep, making sure that your heart is prepared, and that you come saying, God, show me something. Show me something that I don't know. You know, for many of us, we've gone to church for so long that we're convinced we know everything. Hmm. And for many of us, it's not that we need to know more stuff. It's that we need to do more with what we already know. So coming, saying, God, show me something. Show me some area of my life which more closely needs to be conformed to your image as I'm a follower of yours. Come like that. Don't come prepared just to be an evaluator. Right, um, and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have people that, that feel like they can and we welcome feedback and all of that. That's a good thing. That sharpens Jerry and I and our musicians. And so don't take that wrong. That's okay. But don't come with that being your primary goal. Come saying, I want to I wanna pour myself out to people and I want to be filled up. And I believe that preparation begins on Saturday before we get here on a Sunday morning. And then secondly, I want to challenge you. I know some of you immediately, you know, because you're kind of like me, you're kind of type A, you don't like anybody telling you what to do, all right? So immediately you're going to react to this a little bit, all right? I'm going to forewarn you. Think about when you're away on a vacation, think about getting back by Saturday night. You say, well, why would I do that? I don't have to go back to work till Monday morning. I mean, I want to squeeze everything out of it. Think about getting back on Saturday so that Sunday could be what God intends for it to be in our culture, and that is a day of rest, a day of Sabbath, so that you're ready and that you're prepared and be here and be engaged with your church family right after a vacation as you head back into your routine, right? We've become convinced just by kind of looking at statistics with our attendance here at Northwest that there's a good portion of us that are only here Uh, like two out of four Sundays uh, in a month. And I want to challenge you to renew your commitment uh, to uh, the Little C uh, Church. And then also, if you can't be here for some reason, listen to the podcast. Now, it's easy again for you to say, easy for you to say, because you guys are doing the teaching. You just want us to, you know, that's really not it at all. But if you listen to the podcast, it kind of keeps you in sync with where we are. Think about the series that we're in right now, uh, our Thread series those are actually building one upon another till we get to Easter Sunday. So make sure that you listen uh, to what's gone on here if you're not able uh, to be here. And then just real quickly, uh, a couple more things. If you're not involved in a life group, think about getting involved in a life group this year, will you? If you're not involved in a life group, you are really, really missing something. I know there are some of you, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you have been cared for in incredible ways over this past year. Uh, by God just using people that are part of your small group of people, your life group. And I want to challenge you to think about uh, getting involved in a life group. Maybe for some of you, you've been involved in a life group. The challenge for you, maybe you need to step out start a new life group. Maybe you need to finally lead a, a group of people uh, uh, like that. And then lastly... I want you to consider 
worshiping one hour and serving one hour. And I know there are some of you that immediately when I say that, you come up with 101 excuses of why you couldn't do that, right? Some of which are probably legitimate, most of which aren't, right? Some of you are in a particular season of life, and it's just very, very difficult for you uh, to do that. We totally get that. In fact, we want you to honor God by honoring your commitments to your family and to other things that you have in your life. That's great. For a lot of us, um, Sunday morning from about 7 o'clock till noon, there isn't a whole lot going on, right? And I want to challenge some of you, especially if you're new here at Northwest, about considering the possibility of worshiping one hour and serving one hour. Do you know there are people that get here at 7 o'clock every Sunday morning so they can set up what you and I enjoy when we get here? All of this in just a few minutes from now will have to come down. It'll go in cases and go on trailers and be stored uh, till seven days uh, from now. And that takes a lot of help. And um, there are incredible needs in our children's ministry in other areas. And I'd love for you to consider the possibility of worshiping one hour and serving one hour. Some of you did that on Christmas Eve. And that was just an incredible blessing, certainly to the, to the kids uh, that you watched and certainly to their parents uh, but it was to us as a staff, too, just to see people that said, hey, you know what, Christmas Eve really isn't just about us. In fact, really, it's about Jesus. And this is a great opportunity for us to serve one hour and then come and worship one hour. We'd love for you to have that pattern regularly uh, in your life. I want to just tell you, too, that as we uh, start next week, Jerry's going to dive back into our Thread series. We're going to do that up until Easter. And then starting the Sunday after Easter, we're going to do a series in the book of Philippians. And uh, if you've never been through the book of Philippians, you're in for a really uh, great treat. What a great uh, book of the Bible with great application uh, for our lives uh, right now. Uh, great principles that you're going to be able to, uh, to put into practice uh, immediately. So we're really excited about that. Let me just read this to you as we close. I read this uh, several years ago and was really impacted by the truth of it as we get into a new year. Uh, and hopefully you will be as well. This author wrote these words, I am the new year. I'm an unspoiled page in your book of time. I'm your next chance at the art of living. I'm your opportunity to practice what you have learned about life over the past 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant you, when you have fewer conflicting desires. All that you dreamed about but didn't dare to do, all that you hoped but did not will, all the faith that you claimed but did not have, these slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of your strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to Him who said, Behold, I make all things new. And that's what I love about this new year. Every 365 days, it gives us an opportunity to start things over again, to refresh, to move in the direction that we know God wants us to move in and is for our good and for his pleasure. And this gives you an opportunity to do that. And I hope that you'll consider those things that we've talked about in your personal life, in your family life, and in relation to your community of faith here in your church life.